1: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new episode of LavaCom, where we gather and share expert insights on security program management delivered with, by, and for the most respected security leaders around the world. Together, we'll explore solutions to the most pressing business challenges unique to the careers of CISOs and cybersecurity executives. Knowledge is power, now more than ever.
2: Hello, everybody. This is Sean Martin, and you're very welcome to a new Crucial Conversations episode here in the Blue Lava community, where it's all about bringing the community together to share information and knowledge with each other by the CISOs and security leaders for the CISOs and security leaders to help each other do better at uh, at your job and stay healthy and manage your team in, in the same way. And uh, Today we're going to be talking about cloud security, which is a pretty hefty topic. <laughs> and only, only smaller if you take... By, by adding the word security, it's humongous if you take security out and just look at cloud overall. There's so much going on there. And I'm thrilled to have Frank Kim on. Frank, thanks for uh, thanks for being part of this. Sean, hey, thanks a lot for having me. And uh, th- th- there's so much to talk about. Um, and we'll, we're going to put this through the lens of a CISO and security leader. So what what some of the challenges they're facing uh, with either uh, managing their current cloud or clouds or the transitions they're making as part of other transformations they're doing for the business. Um, so a lot to cover there. But before we do that, perhaps a, a few words from you, Frank. Of Who is Frank? Uh, what have you been up to? Maybe a brief view into your journey and, and, uh, and your move to uh, help here in the Blue Lava community.
0: Man, hey, well, who is Frank? Well, Sean, I don't don't know, you know, (laughs) I'm still kind of trying to figure that out myself after all of these years, but, you know, I'll just start with a a simple introduction. You know, hey, so Frank Kim, everybody, uh, currently a a fellow at the SANS Institute. I was the CISO here at SANS for a little bit. Uh, Been teaching, writing courses with SANS for uh, 15 years now, uh, while I had other day jobs, helping build other security programs in prior lives. And uh, still today, in addition to teaching and writing courses, you know, I started our cloud security curriculum at SANS, as well as starting our CISO leadership curriculum. So really just focused on uh, trying to help uh, students and trying to help customers, different enterprises, on their journey to improving as a security leader and as a cloud security expert.
2: Nice, I mean, you've been given back for a long time, Frank. And I know, uh... Uh, I'm I'm privy to some of the master classes you've done with with Laz and, and uh, Art and Team and I know those are always uh, well received and very much appreciated by those who uh, have the opportunity to to connect with you at that level and yeah, I, well, I yeah, can only yeah. imagine it's the same for for the sands work you do as well
0: Well I appreciate it you know and I also forgot to mention you know I'm an advisor for different startups including Blue Lava so you know happy to be part of the community
2: Yep Perfect so let's um Let's start grand. <laughs> the, the state of cloud and the state of cloud security where, where Where do you see? I mean there's probably different maturity levels or phases that companies are in uh, when it comes to um, embracing and employing cloud. I think a lot of the misconceptions or myths around uh, it's not as safe or secure or private; um, those have all been washed away. I think um, so with the right, the right tooling and the right processes and and whatnot, I think it's a very very safe place to operate in business um, if done properly. Um, so, how how do you see cloud being used now? Is is it where you think it should be? Um, how, how do you see organizations embracing cloud?
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny, you mentioned kind of, hey, being seen now as a safe place to to do business. And even as recently as, I would say, probably five years ago, you know, certainly companies have been in the cloud for a long time. But yeah, even as recently as five years ago, I would talk to many large companies, many large enterprises that were very hesitant to move to the cloud because they felt like they didn't have control. There was a perception of a lack of control, perception of a lack of visibility. But since then, in the intervening last handful of years, fast forward to today, of course, yeah, as you said, common business practice. Pretty much everybody is in the cloud, the cloud providers' capabilities, security capabilities have improved, the organization's security capabilities have improved understanding of that corresponding risk. And uh, in the last couple of years, especially, you know, I've talked to a lot of customers, a lot of CISOs, a lot of security leaders at different enterprises, And um, they're all having similar struggles, is they're all at various points in their journey where they realize, hey, their company overall, this is not something that we in security are dictating. You know, we're kind of being, we're thrust into a situation where for digital transformation, other business reasons, ability to need to move faster and so on, hey, the, the move to the cloud has already happened. So now it used to be that hey we're a large enterprise and we've got one primary cloud provider. I kind of liken the cloud now to like AWS, uh, AWS and Azure, for example, are kind of like Windows and uh, Linux. Every organization has both Windows and Linux, and it's now every major organization is multi-cloud to some degree, whether by choice or by chance, whether it be by purposeful design or whether it be by accident. Just like every organization has Windows and Linux, most large organizations have multiple cloud providers, right? It's kind of reaching that layer of technology adoption. And by chance, it's because, hey, there's maybe been acquisition, different business units, different geographies, and so on. So now the problem is, as a CISO, hey, we've got to figure out well, hey, how do we upskill our staff? How do we get the people on our team the right training, the right experience, the right exposure to be able to, one, even just understand what those different business units are doing, wrap our arms around the cloud, and then come up with an approach and architecture to say, ah, these are the best practice tools, capabilities, controls that we want to put together in a stepwise fashion to, hey, make sure that we've got the right security visibility and control and, uh, and oversight in our environment overall, but you know it's it's very mixed mixed bag right now. You know, if we take uh, for example, the uh, the SOC looking at some monitoring and threat detection. You know, I know many organizations that are in multiple clouds, and they say, "Hey, we used to be able to largely imperfectly ingest all of the data into our sim." Well, you know, we really can't do that right now because one, there's just too much data in the cloud. The sim is going to crawl to a grind to a halt if we ingest all of that data. So now we've got to have our analysts be familiar with the various cloud provider provider tools to see where do we look for those needles in the haystack. Now, so it's a big challenge, and we're still at the relatively early phases in an enterprise journey and an overall cloud security team journey in building your program to wrap your arms around and make sense of what tools and and data are actually available uh, via these various cloud services.
2: Yeah, and, I, and I, my mind always blows up when I start to think about all the layers of, of cloud because I think we're kind of at the platform level at the moment, right, Azure and, and, and AWS. Um, and just, as you said, a lot of organizations have probably both and maybe even others, um, and probably some private uh, private clouds on-prem as well. And I'm just wondering how... How do you see CISOs getting visibility into all of that? Because one, I guess, and if we start to look at different parts of the cloud or different different areas of the cloud, uh, a box or a Dropbox or an HR ERP system running in the cloud, those are cloud, right? Even if they're not platform that the uh, company's building into. And then obviously companies build stuff <laughs> that uh, is either on-prem on a private cloud or in, in a public cloud. So there's a lot there where previously IT had ownership, let's say, of deploying the desktops and the servers and controlling the app licenses to to kind of have some level of control and visibility. Now everything it, everything's fair game. Uh, HR folks are deploying stuff. Business leaders are deploying things. Um, everybody's spinning up some cloud somewhere for something. So, how does how do CXOs kind of get a handle on that? You know, we, we mentioned multi
0: cloud, you mentioned hybrid, and every large enterprise is going to be multi cloud and is going to be hybrid for the most part, right? Uh, just because of that existing infrastructure. A number of years ago in a, in a prior life, I was involved in a cloud migration project. And it's one of the earliest cloud projects that I was working on. And we didn't call it this at the time, but you know, it was a a lift and shift project. Somebody had made a decision that we should move stuff to the cloud, which we did. We picked up the stuff from our existing data center, dropped it into the cloud and things worked, but overall it was a disaster, right? It was a, and especially from a security perspective, it it sucked, right? Because we were trying to use our existing uh, on-premise security solutions to try to get the same visibility and insight and control of the cloud and, you know, bluntly, it just didn't work. And, you know, CISOs, we need to realize we have to have some understanding from a technical perspective of how the cloud works, uh, because the existing traditional solutions, right, are not appropriate for the cloud in terms of things running not in on-premise, in terms of the way that they're deployed and needing these cloud-native solutions. And another example of this is the speed at which things move. Now, Sean, I'm gonna maybe turn the tables here a little bit and just ask you one simple question. Very early on in my career, over a couple decades ago, I'm dating myself here. I was working with an organization and I was working in the development team at the time. And you know, our job was to push new software to our users, to production. But I'm gonna ask you to guess, this was a, an insurance company. How many times a year do you think that we pushed production code to our users? How many times a year? What is your
2: guess? Uh, I'm going to guess once, once, it dot may be, maybe 1.0, and if you're lucky, a couple dot .x.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, that's a very good guess. You know, when I've asked other people this, they say, oh, maybe four times a year, eight times a year, right? You know, once or twice a quarter, right? This was a long time ago, slow moving insurance company. We actually deployed to production 0.7 times a year. That was once every 18 months. And when it came time to deploy to production, it was also a disaster, right? It was a long running, big waterfall, big bang type of project. So i mentioned that here to say, hey, CISOs, right? We now, our traditional approach is access on a need to know basis, controlling information, siloing siloing data. That is actually the exact opposite of how modern engineering, modern DevOps teams, and by extension, modern cloud processes work. So you kind of asked, well, hey, what do we as CISOs need to think about? Well, we need to think about revamping, especially in a traditional environment. Now, if you're in an internet company, if you're in a technology company, hey, you're not going to survive very long if you take the traditional security approach. And we all know, right, hey, we've heard this said many times, traditionally, uh, security is the department that says no. But it's even more so now in a cloud-first world, in a DevOps-first world, getting product to market more than Point seven times a year, we've got to shift our mindset, the mindset of our teams, our skill set, and our tooling to be aligned with this cloud-first world.
2: And my, I know the answer, kind of, sort of. But the immediate thought is, okay, so you let business run, and then security comes and cleans up. <laughs> right? If you, that's the the extreme, the other way, which that's that's not the right answer, right? So how how do you find the right balance, Frank? You know, I think it's just a matter of, you know, I have a, a friend
0: who uh, many years ago, or not many, a few, number of years ago, I was having a beer with, right? And he's, we both in, been in security. He's a, also a security leader. And uh, about halfway through his second beer, he slowly starts to put the beer down. And um, I, knowing him, I'm like, uh-oh, there's some, something is coming. He's going to say something. And he's like, Frank, I think I finally figured it out. I realized why I hate DevOps. I said, oh, well, why? You know, it's, uh, well, hey, it's just another excuse for developers to have root access in production, right? And that's kind of you know, what you said made me think about that. And what but what his comment indicated was that, hey, he actually didn't know, really understand how DevOps and cloud work. It's not that the developer has root access in production. That's not how the process, the CI-CD pipeline works. Now, what's funny, though, is within a ve- short time after he and I had that beer, He did get a job heading up the security team at a technology-first company, and he did a total 180, right? So he does not think that at all anymore because he saw firsthand how the process and the technology works to the organization's benefit. So it's really more of a, and this is something that uh, Jason Chan formerly headed up security over at Netflix. you know, I first heard them frame it like this many years ago, right? Going from uh, gates, the traditional security approach to guardrails. Right? Hey, we, we're, we, don't, we in security don't mandate. When I tell my kids what to do, right, they, they don't like it, right? Nobody likes to be told what to do. So we in security for years have been telling people what to do. Now, we don't think of it like that. When we, we, when we say, hey, we've done the analysis, we've, we've uh, analyzed the different products, and we are going to be deploying this one tool for the organization's benefit. Well, what we're effectively telling people is we've decided what is best, and we're telling you what to do because we're giving you one option to use this tool or not. Well, when we give one option, that's effectively zero options. That's no choice because we're dictating what it is. So now in this fast-moving world, it used to be I've had numerous teams over the years, pen testing teams, assessment teams, review teams, and so on. And roughly speaking, in years past, some, a business unit comes to us and says, hey, we would like you, before we go to production, to do an assessment of our application. Make sure you, we don't deploy anything bad. Like, okay, how long is it going to take? two to four weeks, right? Now, hey, that still needs to happen or that still could happen, but that should not be the primary gating factor, right? You incorporate, you automate certain things into the pipeline, into the process, into your usage of these various services, into your CI, CD pipeline. You work with the different business units and the dev teams to understand what problem they're trying to solve. And, they, and you say, hey, instead of dictating a solution, You say, this is the outcome we're trying to achieve. Can you help us figure out how we can get to that particular outcome, given what you have in your area from a technology perspective? Now, of course, it's more work. It's not like cookie cutter where everybody has to use one particular version. But as we said up top, by definition, we live in a world of multi-cloud, of multiple technologies, multiple services. We in security can't dictate what people are doing. So from a CISO perspective, leadership perspective, Hey, we've got to be a little bit more flexible. Basically, is what it comes down to.
2: Yeah, and I think that's an an interesting point or an important point. Anyway, uh, in because guardrails. I don't know why I went there, but I, I was I pictured the uh, what's the uh, the Autopia in Disneyland, right, where the cars are are they have the little the 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 center line that makes sure the car doesn't go off the rails. <laughs> so those guardrails, but but they also limit the cars, right? And the path is straight and and rigid as well. So you're only allowed to go one way. You can start and stop at your your own desire, but very limited in terms of where you can go and how fast you can go, Uh, which again is not very intuitive or uh, very positive for the business. So um, I know you switched into kind of DevOps, and we really didn't talk like a a bit with the assessment of DevSecOps there. but with with all the clouds and and building stuff and deploying stuff to them, is there uh, y- your view where where does security fit in to this picture because there is there's DevOps and there's devsecops there's i t ops and secops um, there's uh, compliance and risk, which have some some security slant to it as well, which of course then uh, when you when you start moving things to the cloud, those those are very important topics as well. So I, describe to me how CISOs look at cloud in relation to the rest of the uh, programs for security that they're running. I heard from one CISO of 19 programs from endpoint to network to firewalls to uh, to the cloud. And, and I mean, so it's one of many. How does it fit in?
0: You know before I get to cloud specifically, let's you know maybe start at the very high level. you know if we've got our security program overall that we're trying to build out, conceptually, there's kind of two ways that you can approach it. you know you can have a governance oriented security team and you can have a technical uh, security team. And I think we've seen you know in, uh, in brief debriefs about different organizations and you know um, different experiences that our colleagues have had, is that when you've got a governance-only or primarily a governance-focused security team, it kind of doesn't work out because at some point the rubber needs to meet the road and the technical teams that you might need to work with, well, to be honest, they don't respect just the solely governance-focused security team. If you've got a primarily technically-focused security team, well, you're implementing various controls and setting configurations and so on, but you're missing the bigger picture, right? So the best security teams are well-balanced across those two capabilities. Now, what does that mean for the cloud specifically? You asked, well, how do security teams, how does the CISO get involved building out the cloud security program overall? Talking to a ton of customers working with these various clouds, hey, we know that in the cloud, there are certain key elements. It's no longer just the network perimeter, certainly your infrastructure security is important, but you've also got your identity, which is a huge layer, huge important. We've all heard identity is the new perimeter. And why do people actually say that? And uh, that is because, well, from a Cloud perspective, now you've got SaaS services talking to other SaaS services, you've got your internal um, infrastructure, you've got your internal platform as a service all glued together by IAM. I've had people say, hey, Frank, we need to learn in depth, just about identity, right? We, we're using AWS, we're using Azure AD, you know what? We're doing stuff, but we're not entirely sure, are we totally doing the right thing or not, right? And this is above and beyond what your identity and access management existing capabilities have been in place for onboarding, offboarding and so on. So there's a need here to build out those key capabilities for identity, for infrastructure, for monitoring kind of across your cloud pillars right? Like you've built up in your overall security program, but then combining that with your overall governance, tying it back to, hey, what are the business goals? What are the, What's your objective here? Is it to increase uptime, manage uptime? Is that a key business goal? Is it to increase revenue? I was uh, doing an engagement. I'm kind of jumping around here, Sean, so you'll have to rein me back in here, right? When you get a chance, but I was doing an engagement with a, with a company, And it turns out that this was a, you know, multi-billion dollar company and they had hired their first CISO. And, uh, they, I got involved with them shortly after it was, uh, it was, they had decided to part ways with that particular CISO. Now this was a a multi-billion dollar startup actually. And I was talking to the CEO and she said, Hey, well, the CISO came on board. And even though we'd gotten a lot of funding, the, um, they came on board and said, hey, she felt that they kind of flipped the script because they came on and said, well, now we need $350,000 for an EDR solution. We need $250,000 for this solution. We need $500,000 for X, Y, and Z. And they said, you know, it's not about how much funding we had. It's just, and it's not that what that CISA was saying was wrong. It's that it wasn't stage appropriate, right? At that particular phase of that organization, hey, that that particular CISO should have, could have realized that their job is more of a sales enablement enablement role while also building the security capabilities. So I think that, hey, technical capabilities combined with quote unquote governance, right? I'm, I'm currently bucketing that into understanding the business strategy, the strategic objectives, why are we doing these actual things? And the hard part is sometimes, especially in a startup, hey, that could change in six months, that could be drastically different, right? So we've got to adjust on a regular basis. You can't just take your traditional enterprise playbook and apply it someplace else. Now, that also reminds me. So in in a prior life, you know, I was uh, at a prior organization, we put together a, well, you know, arguably a pretty good strategic plan, a security strategic plan. Well, one of my colleagues at some time later went to a different company and said, Oh, hey, I've seen this before. I'm going to go ahead and take the strategic plan we did before and apply it to the new organization. And you're smiling because, well, yeah, you see where this is going. Hey, it totally failed, right? Because even though the technical things were not wrong, well, what was missing? The business context was missing in terms of the way that he was trying to apply it.
2: Yeah, the culture And, and the process and just how everything is done, of course. And I'm I'm thankful that you shared those two stories. I was actually going to have you share some others that perhaps uh, those in the community that are listening and watching might be able to relate to. So um, maybe we get to. I mean, those are great examples of of new new things, right? Um, I think it was a new company, and then somebody shifting from old to a new company or a different company. What about a project based? Uh, example or two where, I don't know, a, a product built for on-prem is being transitioned to the cloud or or uh, maybe migrating from one cloud to another. Something that, that CISOs listening to are probably dealing with right now that maybe you have some experience with. The, you can say, these are some of the pitfalls I've seen. Here's maybe how you can avoid them.
0: Yeah, you know, good question. You know, I think that a lot of times the, um, you know, it's not about the technology. Certainly, you can we can get into the weeds of the technology and the guts of the technology and need to know what gets set and what gets configured and so on. You know, I was uh, doing a um, Office three sixty five migration some number of years ago, and um, there was a lot of discomfort about about the project. Now. Hey, pretty much everybody is doing email in the cloud now, right? I think we can all agree, and you know most organizations are doing that. So it's not a matter of a technology limitation, but at this point in time, this was, I guess, relatively early on in terms of when organizations were whole hog, wholeheartedly moving into the cloud for email, and there was a lot of consternation. And so, you know, of course, the, the team we had to do security reviews, recommend different settings and configurations, and and all of that. And what we what we realized is, you know, it's not a technology problem. And it wasn't even about email. It wasn't even about Office 365. It was about how we were managing the project and managing the stakeholders' perceptions and needs, right? So the, the legal team, they were concerned like, oh, well, we've got to do email holds and we investigations related to email. Are we still going to be able to do that? How do we do that? Is it going to be easier or harder for us? So it's just about understanding what it is each stakeholder group wants, and then figuring out how we can alleviate those concerns. So the CFO, right, for the organization wanted to do this because, well, there were purported cost savings, right? But then when you move away from the existing on-premise email infrastructure, there's a team supporting the old email infrastructure. Well, that VP that was heading up that team is worried that now they're going to lose their team members. Mm So you you got to understand what it is that people want. So you know, big part of our job as a you know, any leader, but as a CISO, is stakeholder management, understanding people's motivations, understanding how to communicate, coming up with different options, and it's this is another way of saying the guardrails as we had mentioned before. It's like what are the different options that are available versus us just jumping to the conclusion.
2: Yeah, good old Lotus one two three in the cloud, Frank. Mm-hmm. I, I see it, <laughs> and. And I don't know, this may be a silly question, but because as you were describing that, that scenario, um, there are two parts to this that maybe get wrangled and wrapped into one that, that don't need to be or shouldn't be. Um, for, there's, there's the cloud, and presumably the data is sitting in the cloud. Perhaps some process, processing is in the cloud as well. But there's also an interface, to the cloud and uh, most times not all times most times it's through a web interface sometimes it's through a, an app built uh, purpose for a, a desktop or a, a mobile device do, do those differences um do, does bundling it all together change the way you look at it versus breaking it apart and th- does that matter or my my kind of Going off weird here with that question.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a good point. You know, we already mentioned kind of the changing threat landscape in terms of it's not a perimeter based approach, right, which we've been talking about for years. And uh, so, if we talk about kind of the three high level, you know, different flavors of cloud, which you kind of mentioned, you know, in, uh, infrastructure as a service, platform as a service, and software as a service. You know, you can access via the web console, your AWS console, and get access to your cloud data center, right, if you will. So obviously, certainly, we need to protect those credentials. Um, But within internal to AWS and the other cloud providers, there's the instance metadata service, how identity and access management works, right? This was one of the factors in the Capital One breach and so on. So certainly, we have to understand all of that stuff. Now, what you were just mentioning is, I would say, even also related to SaaS, Right, SaaS providers. Every organization has some unknown number of SaaS solutions that they're using, usually in the hundreds for any large organization plus. And well, the catch is that now all of those SaaS applications in this modern world, they talk to each other. Right? Our Slack is connected to um, JIRA, or JIRA is connected to whatever ServiceNow, and you know whatever they're connected to, and they're exchanging information. Well, how do they know how to exchange information? Well, they've got keys, they've got um, identity that's being p- passed back and forth, you, whether in the form of a JWT token or something else. And a lot of times that, that's, there's a supply chain ramifications that are involved there, is that now if there's an incident a breach at one of those providers that you might leverage that then your data is flowing through, hey, well, there could be some unforeseen consequences. Earlier this year, I'm losing track of time here, Okta, right, had a breach that they announced in. So, you know, Okta, a single sign-on provider used by many organizations. Now, it turned out to be, fortunately, not that big of a deal, but that really highlighted how big of a problem these cloud SaaS services actually are in our modern ecosystem.
2: Excellent yeah, point. That just, uh, just one happened to be identity as well, which <laughs> is a key role in the cloud. Um, let's talk Briefly about uh, a roadmap. So, in terms of building out a roadmap for security in the cloud, and I don't know, maybe, maybe, um, don't know that we had had this plan necessarily, but perhaps cloud to help with security. So maybe, so building out a security roadmap for the cloud, and maybe where cloud fits in to that roadmap too. Uh, yeah, sim, you know, Sim Clouds or SORCloud, Cloud, whatever, whatever you, XDR Clouds, whatever you want to go with that.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, good, good, good point. You know, I, I'm a I'm a simple guy. I like to keep it simple. You know, we for years have been talking about people, process, and technology. And when I think about kind of how do we improve our security program and our cloud security program, it's you know people. You know, one is workforce development. Is what are the skills that not just the security team needs for cloud but what are the skills that our business units, the engineering team and so on, what do they actually need? What's the corresponding process? Now, depending on what area we're talking about, if it's HR, finance, that's one thing. If it's working with engineering, we already kind of touched on DevOps, integrating into that process overall, then there's the technology itself where we can have a technology roadmap of the things that we want to to deploy. Now, to your point about, okay, hey, the organization is using the cloud for various business benefits. But now security, we in security can leverage all of these things for security benefits. We've seen that with automation, with with SOAR products, automating response, and so on. Now we've got automated other response in terms of uh, serverless, Lambda functions, other automated workflows that we can kick off to, for example, remediate simple to start with, uh, security violations, unauthorized security groups, unencrypted buckets, simple things like that, where we can slowly start to build on those in the future. Whereas what did we have to do before? We had to rely on people. Somebody had to do a scan and assessment. Somebody had to go figure this out and go turn some knobs and buttons to change the configuration. Now we've got the opportunity to start some of that automation, which helps the security team scale overall.
2: I love it. And you you mentioned workforce management and, and um, skills for the team, and and Rock Lambos and I have had one a, another uh, Blue Lava community member. Uh, he and I have chatted on and off record uh, about skill sets needed for the cloud. He, your your story about lifting and shifting a technical stack. Um, it'd be interesting your thoughts on lifting and shifting the the talent stack (laughs) at the same time because skills for managing a a physical firewall is different than, than uh, controlling access uh, in the cloud and identity in the cloud is different than on-prem and things like that. So um, two questions, one lifting and shifting talent stack skill sets. (laughs) And then just a, a bigger comment on, uh, workforce management uh, in the cloud, um, keeping keeping the team productive and happy, not burnt out <laughs> as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, great question. So, you know, the uh, in terms of the the first one, you know, I don't when, whenever I'm hiring somebody, I don't so much care so much if they've got experience with a particular tool or a particular solution. It's more of the and um, kind an of aptitude right and do they have a curiosity and a desire to kind of for continuous learning and uh, the so there's definitely an, an element of that now yeah at some point hey you do need to get familiar with the cloud so you know depending on you know when I talk to people you know I might suggest hey just go learn you know play with AWS go play with Azure learn the cloud providers right this is kind of the the layer of the the future here in terms of kind of the that type of exposure now in terms of uh, kind of workforce development overall, you know, avoiding burnout, you mentioned, you know, kind of in in SOC, for example, a common approach is, you know, hey, traditionally, we've got a tiered SOC, right? Tier one, two, and three. And tier one, you know, their eyeballs eventually start to bleed. They're looking at alerts all day long. And, uh, you know, it's a prime place for burnout. But if you take more of a tierless approach where you're rotating some of those responsibilities, you know, that helps people stay a little bit more engaged. So that concept Right, it's useful to apply to other areas of the security team as well, in terms of a little bit of job rotation, seeing what else is available, what other opportunities are out there. You know, I also veer with veer on the side of uh, over trying to, if you can work it in your environment with your budget, is to try to over hire a little bit, always have some job wrecks open. If you encounter a great candidate, bring them on. So that then one, you know, when, that, when people ine- inevitably leave, your team is not crunched for time. So, you know, I've had this situation on my teams in the past, I've, you know, inadvertently uh, made this mistake before, where I kind of had that rock star and everybody relies on the rock star, right? Well, that's not sustainable. I've seen many security teams where some key people leave, the CISO leaves, some key people leave, and the team slowly starts to deteriorate, disintegrate. And that's an indication that, hey, there wasn't the appropriate culture, there wasn't the appropriate process that was actually built up over time.
2: Yeah, I love that, Frank. Uh, that's great great advice there. And in, in the spirit, spirit of uh, advice, one of the things we like to do as we uh, wrap these up is give give your fellow CISOs and security leaders something they can take with them to uh, take action on in the next week, two weeks, month. So all in the context of cloud security, what's, what's something... Uh, listeners and viewers can, uh, can do, Frank.
0: Hey, well, in the context of cloud security specifically, think about for yourself and each of your team members, kind of, hey, how does, is cloud explicitly um, noted as part of a development objective, a personal goal? And then go talk with your business partners, whether in a business unit or engineering, and say, hey, well, what is it that we're doing right? Ask them, what is it that we're doing right? What else can we do more of? And what else should we be doing? Right? in terms of that feedback to build that better relationship
2: nice and that is actually the spirit of this community right to to understand what's working where things could could improve and share that information and have some dialogue with each other and uh, hopefully we got some folks to, to think today Frank uh, I'm sure we did and uh, some good good insight from you to, to hopefully take some action to help make their security program, cloud security program more specifically, even more successful Um, so I want to thank you Frank for for having this conversation here in Crucial Conversations uh, the Blue Lava community, for those listening and watching uh, be sure to stay tuned, there are many more conversations coming and uh, tons of resources in the community that you can access uh, this being one of them, so thanks everybody, see you on the next one